Thank you for listening in to this week's sermon from Restoration Church Bryan. To learn more about Restoration, you can find us online at restorationbryan.com. We are so grateful for all those who are able to listen online, and we pray the message encourages you and challenges you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you are not already connected to a local church, we would love to invite you to join us for worship. If you are listening from another city, we pray that this message is a great supplement to your walk with Christ, and our hope is that you would have a gospel-centered local church that you call home. Thanks again for listening. If you've got your Bibles, uh, hopefully you're there. Acts 18, 18 through 28, as, as Olivia has already read for us this morning, uh, and we're going to dive into the text in just a moment. Uh, at, at every uh, stage of parenting, uh, and, and now you know we've got we've got five kiddos, four to thirteen. The twins are thirteen now. But at every stage of parenting, you you watch your as a parent, you watch your kids' eyes get open to uh, the bigger picture. And so is, is babies, as, as toddlers, uh, their picture is, is the one that's literally like right in front of their eyes. That's, that's kind of that's all they're, they're seeing. Uh, but as young kids, their, their world is still, it, it's so small in life. Life is just sort of lived a day at a time. And so this past week is a perfect example. This past week, our, our kids, the boys, all four of the boys had school off on Thursday and Friday. And so Benjamin at like seven, seven years old, like rolls up, you know, uh, to the breakfast table. And it's like, oh, what, are, what are we going to do today? And so he and Titus, they roll into breakfast, uh, like with full Harry Potter attire on, like, one like robes wands like what's up what's for breakfast i'm like okay awesome and uh it's like what are we going to do next i don't know we might uh we might put on the boxing gloves i don't know uh might punch each other a little bit we might jump on the trampoline then we might go have a tea party with ruthie we'll see uh and, and i'm like cool i'm gonna i'm gonna go to work so y'all can uh stay alive okay um, so you can keep living. So they, they, they live a day at a time, right? Like uh, they, at that age, they, it's just a day at a time. Now, now for the teenagers, for the twins, it, it's cool, but it's terrifying at the same time to see their eyes opening up more and more and more to the world around them. And they're the, the twins for Luke and Levi at 13, their eyes, they're, they're opening up, they're connecting the dots on how and why things are the way they are. And, and at times, you know, we have these hard conversations where we're talking about life and certain experiences. And, and we, we, we tell the twins, guys, I, I know this is hard, but trust us. Listen, your mom and dad, like we, we see things that you can't possibly see right now. We, we, we just we, we see things and there is a there is a bigger picture. There is a bigger picture that one day you will understand. In church family, it's uncanny how similar our, our spiritual journey uh, mirrors and mimics our physical growth and, and maturity. Christian, the the longer you walk with Jesus, the longer you walk with Jesus, the more that you grow in, in understanding and applying the Bible. 
And the more you get dialed into the mission of God and the more your, your vision, uh, it, it shifts and it expands as you come to see this bigger gospel picture uh, and, and you come to understand it's a, a picture that's one that it doesn't just re revolve around you. Amen. It doesn't just revolve around you. It's one that encompasses the restoration of all things. Amen. All things through the person and the work of Jesus. It's a, it's a picture that invites you into the great commission of Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Not, not just to follow Jesus, but, but to, to invite others to follow Jesus as well, to help them follow Jesus. And so this morning, uh, Christian, here's the question. Do you have your eyes opened up to this bigger picture? Are your eyes open to the bigger picture? Are you, have you allowed the, the mission of the gospel to get crowded out by the noise of the world and the culture? Is it, is it still, is your Christian journey, is it still all about you? Or how about this? Is your gospel theology about sin management, are you pressing into the life of Christ? You pressing into victory? See, in Acts 18, the, the mission and the movement of God, it, it's, it is advancing forward. In that blueprint, we saw the blueprint in Acts 1-8 that we would be, the Holy Spirit would come upon God's people and that we would be bold witnesses. Uh, Jesus said to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so that, man, that's, that's still unfolding at this point in Acts. And we get a glimpse in Acts 18, we get a glimpse of a big gospel picture, church family, that we can't afford to miss. So this morning, we're going we're gonna to dial in and we're going to look at three things in regard to this bigger picture. And I'm not going to reread the text as Olivia has already read it, but uh, first point this morning, if you're following along in the bulletin or it's going to be up on the screen, is this. Listen, the mission is bigger than you. Amen. Christian, the mission is bigger than you. We're going to look at 18 through 23 as well. It's a little bit at 27 and 28. But I want you to look at your neighbor and say the mission. That was kind of wimpy. Look at your other neighbor and tell them the mission. There you go. Church, there is so much going on here in verse 18 through 23. First of all, Luke, uh, who is the author of Acts, uh, he is compressing over 1,500 miles of travel into a few sentences, right? It, it, he's compressing this into just a few sentences. So you've got Paul traveling. You've got Paul uh, taking a, like a weird vow that apparently necessitates a, a trip to sports clips. Uh, and, and, and I'm not going to dive into that this morning, but I, I tend to agree with commentator F.F. Bruce, who says this was probably not a, a, a formal, what was called a Nazarite vow, uh, which uh, Bruce says could not properly be undertaken outside the Holy Land. Uh, but this was more of a private vow uh, that, that Paul took, uh, the fulfillment, which was, uh, it was an act of thanksgiving, uh, possibly, uh, Bruce says, for the divine promise and, and uh, of, of verse 10, where remember last week, God appeared to Paul, not only promised his presence, but also promised his protection. And so in verse 18 through 23, you, you have what is 
essentially the conclusion of Paul's second missionary journey. So if you're, if you're kind of tracking along, this is the end of the second missionary journey. And you've got the conclusion of that, then you've got a trip back to Jerusalem. Then you find Paul in Antioch, followed by, it's kind of like the very next sentence, he's starting launching right into the third missionary journey, and he's going back into Galatia. So church family, in the midst of all this moving around and all the city and the location changes, there's a, there's a couple of things that I want us to, to, to take note of. First, in verse 21, if you look at verse 21, though, though Paul declines a, a longer stay in Ephesus uh, at that point, I, I think he was trying to get back to Jerusalem, possibly in time for the Passover, he does mention a, a potential return, but he says, if the Lord wills. He's in Ephesus and he says, I'll come back if the Lord wills. And so first in this statement, there's this acknowledgement. Check this out. That God has complete freedom to inform and interrupt Paul's plans and schedule. Amen? Like, Complete freedom. And so Paul's life, what that's telling us is that Paul's life and movement was totally surrendered to the will of God. Amen? Second, these verses, listen, the second thing that, that we see here in, in, in verse 21 is, is that these verses continue a theme that should be obvious uh, at, at this point in Acts. Paul understood that the mission was bigger than him. The mission, it was so much bigger than him. It's something that we, man, we need this reminder today. Last week, uh, every, every 35 to 45-year-old person I know um, got geeked out and immediately hailed the Super Bowl halftime show as the greatest ever, okay? <laughs> uh, Y'all... I was, I was like transported back to some like weird 17 year old like white rapper version of myself. Um, <laughs> but, but watching, uh, watching uh, Snoop Dogg perform uh, in the halftime show, it, I don't know if y'all saw this, but it made me think of back in 2018. Uh, when Snoop Dogg uh, got his, his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, uh, I don't know if y'all saw his speech, but at the end of his acceptance speech, uh, he paused uh, to take some time to thank himself, <laughs> right? Like, go look up this video. Actually, there's a bad word at the end. Maybe don't look it up. But, but he literally, and I quote, he's like, I want to thank me uh, for believing in me. <laughs> Like only Snoop, only like who says this? Uh, I want to. He said, "I want to thank me for doing all the hard work. I want to thank me for having no days off. I want to thank me for never quitting. I want to thank me for always giving more than I receive. Always. I want to thank me for trying to do more right than wrong. I want to thank me for being me at all times." <laughs> well, thank, thanks, Snoop. The double G, uh, church. I'm so grateful that Paul did not have the Snoop Dogg mindset. Amen? <laughs> like, Paul, Paul knew it was not about him. Amen? 
Paul knew it wasn't about him. See, all along, Paul, Paul has not only been inviting others into the mission, he's also been equipping them, and he's been strategically placing them in cities all over the Roman Empire to minister, to serve, and to build up God's church. We see that from John Mark to Timothy to Silas to Luke to Priscilla and Aquila last week, to Apollos this week. But the text, and the text points to so many other brothers and sisters who along the way, they became a part of Paul's uh, sort of gospel squad. In Acts 18, it's no different. See, last week in Corinth, we saw that Paul, he had lived and he had labored with Priscilla and Aquila. And here we, we see this gospel power couple. They've already uprooted from Rome and moved to Ephesus to build God's church. But in, to, to Corinth, to Ephesus. And in verse 23, so, so you skip over to verse 23 and you have the launch of yet another missionary journey. And here, again, Paul at this point, he's not blazing new territory, right? He's not like going into new territory. Instead, he's going back and he's, he's building up these churches that they've already launched and planted in Galatia. And he's, check this out, he's strengthening the disciples because he knows, he knows they're the ones who are going to reach their city, they're the ones who are going to reach their block, their, their territory. And so without, without this gospel partner and without this gospel teammate mindset, Priscilla and Aquila, y'all, they never get dropped in Ephesus, right? Apollos never, never gets discipled, which we'll look at in a moment. But, and ultimately, because Apollos gets sent back to Corinth, the church in Corinth never benefits from the, the tremendous gifts of Apollos, his apologetics and evangelism and, and, and his ministry in the city of Corinth. And so you say, okay, what's the application? What, is this, what does this mean for, for me? Christian, here's what it means for you. The question is, Christian, do you have a partnership mindset? Do you have a partnership mindset? Do you understand that it's called the body of Christ for a reason? Amen? It's called the body of Christ. Everyone, listen, everybody plays a role. Everyone has a unique part of God's mission for the world. And so Christian, absolutely, yes, like be faithful with your gifts. Be faithful with your resources and your talents in your life for the sake of the gospel. But know that the mission, listen, it's bigger than you. Amen? It's bigger. It's not about, it's not about you building your platform. It's not, about your, it's not about your glory. It's not just about what you can accomplish uh, in your power and might and wisdom and skill. It's about understanding that wherever you go, you are a part of a gospel team and you have gospel partners all around you. And so everywhere Paul went, yes, he was, he was focused on sharing Jesus, but he also understood God's call to lock arms with others and to equip and to empower others for gospel mission and ministry. Second thing this morning is this, as we look at verse 24 and 25, and we're going to unpack this, so, so hang, hang on because we're going to dig in. We're going to dig into this text. 
Second point is this. The message is bigger than repent. It's part of it. The, the message is bigger than repent. I want you to look at your neighbor tell him the message. Look at your other neighbor tell him the message. See, verse 24, it, it, it introduces us to this cat by the name of Apollos. And he's from, he's from Alexandria. Uh, he's from Egypt. Kent Hughes says this about Egypt, uh, or about Alexandria. Alexandria rivaled Athens' reputation for knowledge. So he was, we were in, uh, back in Acts 17, he was in Athens. But Hughes says this about uh, Alexandria. He says the greatest, the greatest library in the world at that time was in Alexandria, over uh, 400,000 volumes. And so that it makes sense. Uh, when, uh, if you know that about Alexandria, because the descriptive words for Apollos, uh, one is the word logios, logios, it means eloquent or learned, uh, but the other, the other descriptive word is this word in the Greek dunatos, which it translates as competent, but literally it means powerful or strong. Now here's, here's where the passage gets interesting. There are two prevailing views as to where Apollos was spiritually. One, one camp tends to see Apollos early in the text as, as either lost or kind of sort of pre-Christian, but lost spiritually. And many in that camp, they, they, they don't see much of a difference between the exchange with Apollos here in Acts 18 and then in, in Acts 19, Paul's exchange with some of John the Baptist's disciples in Acts 19, and, and though I understand why some see it that way, I, I, I tend to believe that Apollos was a Christ follower even here. And it's important to understand because the, 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 the part, part of the debate is centered around this phrase. Look at verse 25, this phrase, fervent in spirit. And so if you're looking at the text, there, there are commentators who point to this as uh, the, and they say, oh, see, it's Apollos had a strong and passionate spirit. Uh, uh, Apollos had this strong and passionate spirit. But the Greek text, check this out. The Greek text actually in the Greek has the word the before the Greek word for pneuma or spirit. And so uh, why, here's why this is important. The only other time that that phrase is used in the New Testament is in Romans 12, 11, and it is a reference to the Holy Spirit. So you have to consider all these factors. One, the text says he was filled with the Spirit. Two, he taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, it says in verse 25. And three, there, there's no mention of Apollos' conversion, right? There's no, there's no mention of him getting rebaptized by Priscilla or, or Aquila. Whereas all these other people in Acts who are coming to faith in Jesus, whether it's Cornelius or the Philippian jailer or Lydia or others, uh, you know, there, there's, there's a very clear coming to faith in Christ and a baptism. You don't see that in this passage. And so you say, well, what, like, what's going on with Apollos here? If he, if he wasn't a lost heretic, did he, did he like simply not understand the ordinance of baptism? What's it talking about? He, he only understood the baptism of John. D.L. Moody says this. D.L. Moody says, Apollos was not guilty of teaching error, but he was merely 
lacking in knowledge of the full details of the events associated with Pentecost, with Acts chapter 2. Moody says his knowledge appears to have been deficient in matters related to the coming of the Spirit at Pentecost and the baptism of the Holy Spirit associated with it, not, not a deficiency of the details of Jesus' life, his ministry, and death. So church, John the Baptist, when he came on the scene, Yo, he, he preached a message of repentance. Hey, you need to turn from your sin. He was Jesus' forerunner. He, so he just said, repent. And his baptism was a baptism that was just a, a picture of being cleansed of sin. That was what the emphasis of John's baptism. And, and let's, let's be honest. If John the Baptist was on the scene today, like we'd all be terrified. Okay? Like we, like, dude, like rolls up on the scene, long hair. You know, he's wearing sackcloth. He's like popping some locusts, right? Uh, and he's yelling like, repent. <laughs> like, hey, hey, what's up? Turn from your sin, right? <laughs> okay, John. Hey, we, like, we'd be terrified. And, and, and I, think, I think most of us would, would agree that the, the, the turn or burn uh, sermon is probably not always the best method of evangelistic preaching uh, and teaching. Uh, and, and so uh, it's Romans that it says it's God's, uh, you can't deny the reality of hell in the Bible, but it's Romans that says that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance and faith. And so, uh, but, but true story, uh, I, I came to faith in a revival service uh, in 1988 at a small church, a small Baptist church where uh, I, I'm pretty, I'm like 92% sure uh, that the emphasis of the sermon was on repent, right? <laughs> repent of your sin. And there like, may have been some fire and brimstone talk in there. I'm not sure. But somewhere, check this out. Somewhere along the way, Apollos had been instructed in John's baptism. And, and he had come to believe after Jesus came on the scene that Jesus was the Messiah that he was the savior of the world, like many had done pre-Pentecost. But, follow me, Acts is a unique book. Due to the period of history they were in, Apollos was ignorant of some important truths. And, and while it may seem strange that, uh, that a dude who believed in and professed Jesus didn't understand the significance of, of spirit baptism that the spirit of God indwells the believer at the moment that they place faith and belief in the gospel right it's not some secondary spiritual experience on top of believing in the gospel we again we have to remember that acts is this transitional book of the bible and so no doubt many and, and believe and I would agree that that early Christianity would have a number of threads, some of which had not fleshed out this full and robust understanding of the cross, the resurrection, and the role of the Holy Spirit. And so Apollos' gospel, I believe it wasn't a false gospel. Church, it was just an incomplete one. He he knew, it's like this, he knew to call people to repentance. He knew people to call, he knew to call people to belief in Jesus as the Messiah. But perhaps the emphasis was on Jesus' righteousness and his substitutionary death. But it's possible that due to his gap in understanding, there was, there was no emphasis, follow me, 
There's no emphasis on how after Jesus' resurrection, the Holy Spirit had now come to indwell. The Holy Spirit had now come to empower and enable every follower of Jesus with this resurrection life and power of Christ. Amen? So you say, what does that mean for us? what's, What's the application here? See, I think on one hand, I think you have a brand of Christianity that ignores the role of repentance altogether, right? And we're, we're, we're calling people, we're calling people to come to Jesus, uh, but we're saying it's okay to live contrary to the Bible, right? It's, a, it's okay to, to say and do things that aren't in alignment with the Bible. It's okay to keep on willfully sinning. No, it's not what the Bible teaches. There, there's got to be a call to actually turn away from sin. However, on the other hand, we're calling people to perpetual repentance, but we, we're failing to unpack this rich theology of the resurrection power of Jesus that we have access to through the indwelling of the Spirit of God in us. And so, Christian, listen, the Christian life doesn't have to be sin, repent, repeat. Sin, repent, repeat. Sin, repent, repeat, right? It doesn't have to, listen, and I'm not talking about sinless perfection, right? Like we're, we're going to be in process until we die or until Jesus returns. We're not going to get it right perfectly. But what I'm talking about is there's got to be this rich theology of the filling and the empowering and the guiding of the Holy Spirit that the American church has got to get back to. Amen? And and, and not when we talk about the the filling and the empowering of the spirit, not not in a not in a hokey way where all we're talking about is the spirit and and, and music. Right. Listen, music has its place. But it's more than just spirit and the music. It's more than just spirit and and like an an emotional feeling or the spirit and and like this big manifestation or or spiritual experience. No, we've got to get back to talking about the spirit and obedience. It's the spirit and victory and and the spirit and the fruit of the character of Christ in us. And we've got to talk about the spirit and being bold in our witness. See, repentance is, listen, don't hear what I'm not saying. Repentance is absolutely essential. But the message of the gospel, it's bigger than repent. The message of the gospel is one of new life. Amen. It's one of, of transformation. It is, a, it is a message, church family, of victory. And so the question, Christian, is are, are you positioned in victory or are you still playing with your vices? You positioned in victory or are you, are you still playing with your vices? Because our message is bigger, right? Our, our message is one of life transformation. Our message is one of the resurrection power of Christ in us, changing our lives, keeping us dialed in to the mission and set apart for God. Third thing this morning is this, as we look at verse 26. So we've talked about the, we've talked about the, the message, right? 
we, we've talked about how the, the, the message of God is bigger uh, than you. We've, we've talked about how, uh, or the, the mission of God is bigger than you. We've talked about how the, the, the message, we've talked about the message of God. Now we're going to talk about the means, right? The means is not something bigger than discipleship. You say that again. The means is not something bigger than discipleship. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell them the means. All right, look at your other neighbor and tell them the means. Church family, the means is through discipleship. Amen? Church, I, I love verse 26 because verse 26, the text tells us that, that they both, both Aquila and Priscilla, took Apollos aside and they they discipled this brother. It says they explained to him the way of God more accurately. In the Greek, it's this word akrobos. It means carefully or, or accurately. And so, but don't, don't gloss over this, church family. Don't gloss over this. Already, these couple, like their lives were already the picture of faithful and sacrificial obedience. They, they, had, already been, uh, they, they had already been displaced from Rome. Right? I, I believe directly due to gospel persecution. They, they had been faithful to go to Corinth. And then they were willing to pick up from Corinth and travel to Ephesus and relocate again to start to help with the church, to minister, to serve. And so they were right in the right place. Check this out. They were in the right place at the right time because they had been obedient to the Spirit of God. And they had followed his call every step of the way. Kent Hughes says this. He says, Priscilla and Aquila were such gentle channels of divine grace. Hughes says, life in the spirit spreads through people like this. So they didn't, they didn't treat Apollos as a, as a heretic, right? <laughs> I'm not saying that there aren't times where you don't call, call out things, but I think the spirit gave them discernment to understand and to know what they were dealing with. They, they saw Apollos as a genuine brother who just needed some private discipleship. And then to Apollos' credit, listen, for a dude who was probably far more educated, right, than both Priscilla and Aquila, he humbly received what they had to say, and he was teachable. But here's the big thought, ready? It was their private discipleship was their private discipleship two-on-one of this up-and-coming leader that led to this gospel fruit 30, 60, and a, and a hundredfold. Because after this, Paul, Apollo said this dude went and wrecked gospel shop in Corinth. Amen? And, and, and so they were, Priscilla and Aquila were faithful, intentional disciple makers. And, and you say, well, what, is that? what does that mean? What does that mean for me? What does that mean for us, church? Here's the application. God's means of changing the world is not something bigger than discipleship. Amen? God's means of changing the world, it's not, it's not bigger than, than discipleship. It's not, listen, like conferences, like they have their place. It's not going to be through the conference. It's not going to be through the giant worship concert. It's, it's not going to be the latest Christian gathering of tens or hundreds of thousands at the Colosseum or at the stadium or at the arena. It's through discipleship. 
And we get so, listen, we get so caught up in this. It was a reality check. I remember years ago, about 15 years ago, hanging with my friend Paul, who uh, in seminary was, was, uh, he was the leader of what was called our spiritual formation group. And he was about 10 years older than a lot of the guys in the group. And, and so he was pouring into us and he, he spoke about a time where he was a concierge at a really nice hotel in Dallas. And he, and, he, and he was telling us that he was one of the only Christians on staff at this hotel. And he said that uh, a lot of the staff were unbelievers, right? They were lost. They did not know Jesus. And he, he, he mentioned that when promise keepers, I don't know if you're familiar with promise keepers, but this large ecumenical gathering of, of men, it was a nonprofit that was going to usher in revival through men leading and doing all these things for Jesus. And Paul told us, he said, when promise keepers rolled into town, he said that the staff at the hotel rolled their eyes. And he said this, he said uh, it was because there were two times when the pornography pay-per-view usage spiked the most. It was the doctor's conferences and the promise keeper's conferences. What a reminder. Let's not get enamored with the crowd. Let's not get enamored with the Christian crowd. God, God is going to change the world through individual Christians walking in obedience to make disciples. Amen? That's how God's going to change the world. Making disciples in the church building, in, in their homes, in the workplace, at the coffee shop, and everywhere in between. I'll close, I'll close with this this morning, and we're, we're, we're done. I'll close with this. One of the, one of the downright uh, funniest scenes of The Office season four when Michael Scott busts out his 15-inch plasma screen. <laughs> and, he, and he pulls that bad boy out from the wall in all of its 15-inch glory. And he's got some of, the, some of the, the, the folks, some of his employees from the office, and he's just showing it off. And apparently, Mr. Scott is oblivious to what is super obvious to everyone else. And that's this. The picture's too small. Amen? It's too small. Ain't nobody want a 15-inch plasma, okay? Christian, you have to get to this place where you embrace a big-picture gospel. Amen? A big-picture gospel that calls you into a mission that is bigger than you. With a message that, that do, doesn't just doesn't just manage your sin, but one that sanctifies your life. Setting you apart to live, check this out, in gospel victory. In the power of Christ in you. You need a gospel picture that compels you to make disciples of all people. To lock arms and bring people along with you. And Christian, listen, know that the best picture is the one that Jesus already gave us. Amen? It's a picture that Jesus already gave you. Jesus, Jesus laid down His life for you. He laid down His life. Jesus was, was crucified for your sins so that, so that you might be forgiven, so that your sin might be covered. But He was raised to show that sin and death were conquered. Amen? Jesus, He spent His life 
pouring in to 12 dudes who would change the world. You want the bigger picture? Listen, you, if you want the bigger picture, look to a big Savior. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus who's calling you to life in Him. Y'all pray with me this morning.